Right, this is your brother Sam Tita uh, coming to you again today. And um, listen, want to talk to you about what I'm calling the seven dynamics of an effective testimony. Uh, don't get hung up on the on the fancy words. Um, they're just seven things that I have found uh, as I wrote the book Radical Witness. Um, this Holy Spirit showed them to me, and I want to share them with you because. Um, they will help you have a more successful uh, life of testimonies, all right? To fully get into that, though, I, I want to give you a bit of background. I I've taught actually fully on, on testimonies before, and I actually I think I called it the power of, of, of a testimony, and I did it in several parts. Now, the one thing that I missed in that series was um, teaching specifically on the seven dynamics of an effective testimony, all right? So first thing is, what is a testimony? A testimony is um, it's the manifestation of the Word of God in the lives of God's children. This is where the intangible Word of God uh, intersects with your life, our lives, and out of that intersection, the Word of God manifests um, in healing, in provision, in protection, the things that the Word of God promises His children. When that occurs in our lives, then a testimony has happened, okay? And these testimonies are useful. It's not just for you, the person that has the testimony or who is the beneficiary of that testimony. It is actually designed by God that you would enjoy it, but also share it, all right? So that's what a testimony is. Why is it important that we testify? Several reasons. Number one, we see in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that um, they, it says there that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the, the word of their testimony. These are the folks that were having this celestial battle with the devil. And they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb because Jesus finished the work of redeeming the world on the cross. But for the individuals that were involved in the battle, it was the testimony of Jesus' work in their lives and in the world that gave them individually the victory. So it is imperative that, one, if you love Jesus and you want to serve him and do the things he's called us to do, then you have to testify. It is good because this is something he's asked us to do in his word. But for you, the individual, your personal victory is guaranteed already because the blood of the lamb has been sacrificed. Um, the, the, the lamb has been sacrificed. This is Jesus himself. He gave up his life on the cross. But your personal victory in your life is going to be hampered if you're not testifying frequently. And it will be enhanced the more you testify. I am a beneficiary of that. I guarantee you that it works. So that is why we should testify. But also, uh, let me pull up some scriptures um, to, to, to support this so you see why uh, you really should spend time uh, testifying. In, uh, I think it's chapter 5 of Radical Witness, uh, the, the, the chapter is actually called, Why Must We Testify? All right? Uh, I talk about Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, but there is also Mark chapter 4. I've said just a moment ago that your testimony is the Word of God coming alive in the lives of believers. So 
it is the power of the word of God. Now, the scripture says in Mark chapter 4 and in other places that the word of God is seed. Okay, when Jesus taught the parable of, of, the, uh, of the sower, it says very clearly in, in, in Mark chapter 4 that the word of God is seed. And this seed is planted in the lives of believers. Now, as it grows, then you can go and make a harvest. All right? So the seed, which is the word of God, which is your testimony, all right? When you testify, it gets planted. It gets sown into the lives of people. And it brings about a harvest for the kingdom of God. So it is very, very powerful. As a matter of fact, as I have stated in Radical Witness and I have taught on many, many times, your testimony is God's, um, it is God's design for ministry that costs you absolutely nothing. You already have one if you are saved. You don't have to go to school to become a person who testifies, there are so many reasons. And because there are so many believers who are not testifying, who are not, who are not serving God, they're not preaching, they're not teaching, they're not doing anything to win souls for the kingdom of God because they have this false notion that they have to become uh, more educated and they have to um, maybe serve in, under some ministry for many, many, many years. No, 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 no. You can, as long as you are saved, go ahead today right this day, and begin to testify uh, for the kingdom of God and winning souls for him. So Mark chapter 4 is very clear. The word of God is seed, and as you testify, your testimony is the word of God. It sows into the lives of people. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, Jesus, after all of the things that he said in the scriptures and all of the things that he did in the scriptures while he was uh, walking the earth, the last thing Jesus said, as he went back up to heaven, was that you and I would become his witnesses in this world, meaning that we would testify, because that's all a witness does. A witness is a person who has information, and they have to share this information. They testify about what they know. Jesus said, you and I would be his witnesses. So what is a testimony? We talked about it. Why must you testify? We just talked about it, and I'm giving you this all in summary. I have deeper teachings on them, but I'm trying to get to somewhere else, but I wanted to give you a bit of context and background. So now with all of that, let's talk about um, the seven dynamics of an effective testimony. I testify to you, as I often do, that one of the reasons my wife and I are blessed as we are in all areas, I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about a sweet 32-year marriage. I'm talking about children that are grown and doing great things. I'm talking about good health and everything else. The reason I believe that this happens is because, you see, in the parable of the sower, God who gives seed for sowing will give more seed to those who are effective at the work of sowing. You understand? So if you are not testifying it's not surprising that maybe your barn is empty and there are no seeds there for you to sow. Because why do you want to give seed to someone who either just eats them or puts them in the barn to rot? Seed is, has one thing only. It's for sowing. The word of God is for sowing. So if you are not uh, sowing, then you are actually, you're robbing both the kingdom of heaven, but you're also robbing yourself. I believe, based on the scriptures, not just what I believe, but based on the scriptures and through revelation, that the more you testify, 
the more testimonies you will get. Because testifying is really not about you. It is all about the kingdom of God. And you just happen to be his child benefiting from this testimony that he has given you. All right? So, so this is the thing now. Seven dynamics of effective testimonies. I'm going to do this in two, seg in, in two segments, all right? Because I want you, this is, this is so critical. This is so important. I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to keep this as brief as I possibly can. Now, I've written, of course, also on prayer. So this is number one. The first dynamic of an effective testimony is actually prayer. Um, of course, we've written, I wrote the book, Radical Prayer, Radical Results, uh, an effective book, um, and it's helped, it helps so many people. I'm not going to get into um, much of it here, except that um, uh, there are several um, there are several components of an effective prayer, all right? Um, it includes communication. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. It is communion with God. Prayer um, uh, involves utterance, meaning that you're speaking. Prayer involves actually taking action in the direction of your prayer so that you're moving in the direction of what you expect God to do. Prayer also involves fundamentally knowledge of God. So these are the things that have pertained to prayer. Uh, look for the teachings that I have done on prayer, and please uh, listen, uh, study those before you, you, you move before you move on. Uh, even though you can learn from this, it'll be better for you to go back there and learn a little bit more before coming forward. But stay with me here for a moment. Uh, praying is powerful, all right, because it brings you into a place of relationship with God. So before you begin testifying and serving God um, in, in, in this kind of ministry, the first thing you do, obviously, is you don't want to do it uh, uh, in your own strength. You want God to lead and to direct you. So one of the first things you should actually do um, is pray and ask God to, to send you people that you can testify to people that you can tell your story to. Let God send these people to you because some people, if you just approach them and begin to testify, they're not, they're not ready for it. They don't want to hear it, okay? So ask God to position people strategically in your path that you can testify to. Now, because we use media a lot, television, uh, some radio and, and print and all that stuff, uh, I'm constantly testifying. I mean, I pray for God to put to fill our audiences with people who are ready for the testimonies. So these are the things that I do, but it doesn't have to be that way for you. Just pray that God will send you, even if they were individuals or if you have access to platforms that put you before lots of people, more than one person even, then ask God to fill those platforms with people that want to hear your testimony. So the first thing you do is that you pray, all right? These are the seven dynamics of an effective testimony. First thing is that you pray. Now, one of the most requested prayer requests that come to us in our ministry as we travel and teach and preach and stuff like that um, is for people asking, uh, Brother Sam, I, I, want you, I want to hear from God. I, I want you to, to uh, pray with me that God will reveal his heart so that I would know his call on my life. Now, all right, we do that, okay? 
But at some point, it began to trouble my spirit, and I've shared this before, um, because it, it, it sounds really humble. It sounds really um, holy and all, all right? But the thing that comes to me is, if you have ever read your Bible from end to end, then you will know very clearly what God says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. He says, go and, uh, and, and tell the world everything that you know about me. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, is the same thing Jesus says. Go and teach the world. Go and tell them everything I have taught you, all right? Tell them even of your encounter with me and how you got saved. Go and tell them. And of course, in, in, in Acts chapter 1, uh, 8 and 9, he says, go and be my witnesses in this world. To, why would you be a witness for Jesus? Because you have encountered him and you can testify of his goodness, of his grace, of his faithfulness, of his provision, of his love and his mercy, of just who, how awesome he is. You can testify of these things. So he says, be my witness in this world amongst the people that you encounter at work, at the, at, at the grocery store, uh, at the bowling club, every and anywhere you go, that you would tell them about him, Jesus Christ. So go and be my witnesses. That's what he says. So um, if you have ever read your Bible, you would have come across these things. And unless maybe uh, you did not understand, this is what Jesus is asking you to do. So serving him is not complicated, right? So uh, you, you see someone uh, dress up nicely, stand in front of a pulpit or behind a pulpit and they preach a message. Uh, no, you don't have to do what they do. Even if you preach, you don't have to preach the way they do. You could preach in your workplace. You could start a prayer meeting in your workplace. You could go preach at a street intersection. You, you, can, you can go on radio. You can talk on, on Facebook and all of these places. There are so many ways that you can serve God. All right, so um, he has already given those directives. So as you pray, prayer gives you revelation and brings to your remembrance what God has already said to you. That will prepare you to be effective and, and at, at this work of simple work of testifying, being Jesus' witness in this world. So before you begin testifying, pray. That's number one. Let's move on to number two. Now, number two is clarity. Clarity is so important. It is so very important. Why? Because you have to be able to communicate as simply and as clearly as you possibly can this testimony of what God has done in your life. You have to be able to, to, to do so with, 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 with clarity. In, in, in Acts chapter 26, if, and, and I'm not going to read Acts chapter 26 here. I'm referencing it so that you can go back and read it for yourself. This is Paul speaking before Governor Festus and, and uh, King Agrippa, all right? He had to defend himself before them. Now, Paul was a very polished, very articulate speaker, a great and amazing teacher, okay? But because it is... It was his testimony of how he encountered Jesus Christ. Um, only he could articulate it. Only he could say it and tell it 
the way it actually happened effectively, all right? The same way nobody can tell my testimony the way that I can because I live it. I lived it. I, 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 was, I was immersed in it. It was, it, it, was, it, it was about me and my encounter with God. Nobody else can tell that story better than me. It's the same thing for you, my brother, my sister. Nobody can tell your testimony the way you can. So make it as clear as Paul did when he spoke before Agrippa and Festus, all right? So it is very important that it's very clear because if, if you are inconsistent, all right? For instance, you, you, you start talking about something that happened in your life and, and all of that. If you have a wife like mine, who, who is, um, <laughs> she wants to make sure that we we're, we're keeping it real and we're telling the truth about what happened. She will probably stop you if, if, you, if you're in the middle of telling something and, and you've not thought about it properly, you've not spent time thinking about it and you're not being very clear. If there are any inconsistencies, she's gonna stop you and say, honey, that wasn't us. That was like Corville and Martha. That wasn't us. Now imagine that that kind of thing happens to you. You're, you're there in, 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 a, in a group or with someone and, and the two of you, you and your spouse, for instance, and you're giving this story about what God has done. And then your wife or your husband reminds you that, that I think you have that wrong. No, we weren't in Vancouver. We, we were in Washington. Do you remember? And once that begins to happen, the person who was listening, right away, you begin to lose them because it's, it's, they start thinking, well, well, if, if this part of this story is inconsistent, well, how many other aspects of it are wrong? So right away, um, the thing that you intended for good may actually put them off. You understand? Now, listen to me. This is serious. This is serious, okay? So please pay attention to it. So you want to make sure that you are clear, you are consistent. Leave inconsistencies out and make sure you're communicating as clearly as you can. Now, uh, to help in this process, in the book Radical, uh, sorry, it was uh, Radical Trust, I actually developed a a, um, a a way of cataloging your testimonies in such a way that you can go back and pull from them the ones that you need. I call it the memorial of remembrance. Look for my teachings on, on, on trust, uh, uh, building trust in God, um, trusting God, anything in that, in that area uh, pertaining to trust, and listen to those messages. It will help you to learn to catalog your testimonies in such a way it's like running an office, okay? Uh, you, you have to file things properly. You can't just take all of your documents and dump them on your desk and then try to uh, go through them when you need them. No, you have to file them properly. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of order. And you and I, we have to be orderly in how we present God to the world. Now, some of you are probably saying, uh, Brother Sam, come on, man, it's not that serious. Yes, it is. Your testimony is both a weapon of mass destruction in the camp of the enemy, a way, a means of harvesting souls for the kingdom of God. So it is a double-edged sword. It does two things. 
it will bring souls into the kingdom of God and it will at the same time destroy the camp of the enemy. So don't take it lightly at all. Now, so we talked about uh, prayer. We talked about clarity. Now we're going to talk about brevity. Brevity means keep your testimony short. All right? Keep your testimony short. Now, in, in, in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 and 9, uh, it's what I call the, the, um, the Eutychus conundrum. Paul the apostle, all right, uh, very articulate, very gifted preacher, teacher, writer. Uh, he was in Troas and was going to be leaving, uh, of course, where Paul was. There were a bunch of believers, and they gathered around him because he had a message to teach and to preach that day. They went up in a building uh, on, on a top floor, sat up there, and Paul started to preach and to teach and to speak to, to, to the people. Now, Paul is, is, is an amazing speaker, all right, um, by all accounts in the scriptures. Uh, very impassioned, um, very powerful orator. But Paul, as he spoke that night, it, it was nighttime, he just spoke on and on and on and on and on and on. Now, hence the, the, the Eutychus uh, conundrum. So Eutychus was this young man who was up there in the top floor of that building with Paul and the rest of the people. But the young man was sitting, um, uh, he was sitting, I think, on the window ledge without, uh, without a window, but he was just sitting there. And, and uh, I think the window was open. And, and so... Paul is talking on and on and on and on. As powerful and gifted and anointed as what Paul was saying was, Eutychus, that young man fell asleep and fell down all the way down to the ground, hid himself on the ground, and he died in his sleep. All right? So Paul had to stop his meeting, run all the way downstairs, throw himself on the dead body of Eutychus, and he prayed and God raised him back to life. You would think, Paul would say, okay, guys, enough is enough for tonight. Let's pray and go home. No, he went right back up and he continued speaking, all right? But of course, this is after he raised Eutychus back from the dead. So listen to me. Unless you are prepared to raise people back from the dead, you need to keep your, 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 your testimony brief so that people can listen, get what you're saying, and go about their lives. Now, this is not to say that you, your, your testimony must always be, be brief. There are actually times when a long version of your testimony is required. Uh, there are times when a short version of your testimony is required and times when maybe you need like a mid-range. I know, I know you're saying, Brother Sam, come on, man, this is not that serious. Yes, it is. Because guess what? You can preach an entire sermon on your testimony alone. One testimony. You can preach an entire sermon on. That could be the long version of your testimony. But if you were standing with some folks, you know, waiting for uh, to get into church or you meet some people somewhere and you need to give a short version of your testimony, like in the case of me and my wife and, uh, you know, in the fifth year or uh, twelfth year of our marriage when I took off and in in. You know, she went to church, started praying, uh, got saved uh, through her prayers. God got me saved. And now, uh, in, after five years, our marriage was put back together by God. And now we're married 32 years. Now, I just gave you a, a whole lot of history in like three seconds or five seconds. All right. That would be a short version of a testimony, an example of a short version of a testimony. So 
you want to give a long version, uh, a short version, and a mid-range version, um, depending on the circumstances. So listen to me, you are a soldier in the army of God. You need to prepare because your testimony is a weapon. No soldier goes to the battlefield without preparing themselves. Don't take it lightly, don't take it for granted because you will miss opportunities if you are not ready. Now, so we talked about um, uh, three so far. I'm gonna give you the fourth one. I will call this practice, okay? Yes, uh, for a lot of you believers, uh, I know you, you, you're gonna think, really, this is, this is not that serious, uh, but for the fourth or the fifth time, I'm saying to you, yes, it is. Why is practice important, all right? Uh, Michael Jordan, known all over the world. Tiger Woods, known all over the world. These are people who have excelled in their craft. They have excelled at the things that they do, and they've become known all over the world as a result of that, okay? Listen to me. Uh, Michael Jordan did not become Michael Jordan by shooting hoops whenever he felt like it, no. He didn't become... Um, the, 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 probably the best player uh, in the in the NBA's history by um, you know just doing uh, shooting hoops every so often uh, whenever he felt like he he, he um, you, you know maybe he was bored and he wanted something to do no 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 he was very disciplined to the point where even in his home he built. Uh, and most of these guys do, they built a, uh, a basketball court, a, a full-size basketball court, and he spent a lot of time practicing. That's how you get good. That's how you get smooth at what you do, all right? So you have to practice because, you see, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of excellence. Unfortunately, a lot of believers just treat it haphazardly, okay? Um, like... like uh, they don't realize who they're serving. God is the highest there is in the world, in the universe. So when you are representing him, you have to do so with excellence, all right? That is why practice is important. God is the almighty God, the ancient of days, the creator of the universe, the I am that I am. He is everything and there is no one like him. And if we're going to represent him and be his witnesses in this world, we better practice and take it seriously, all right? Seven in service in God's kingdom, it requires our absolute very, very best. And the thing too is, God is, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of order. There is no disorder in the kingdom of God. So you, you, you have to, uh, if we're going to serve him in this world as his viceroys, we have to represent him with diligence and with excellence. I think I've said enough on that. Now, I've also said before that no soldier, and you and I, we are soldiers in the kingdom of God, in the army of God. The day you became saved and said, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior, you were automatically conscripted into the army of God, all right? And no soldier ventures into the battlefield without preparation. You have to practice to use your weapon. You have to practice to use your equipment. You don't wait till the enemy comes before you and has their barrel pointed at you before you try to read the manual on how to operate yours. No, you have to be prepared. You have to be ready. You have to be 
to practice and have your testimony um, on the tip of your tongue, ready to be to be uh, deployed whenever you need to, all right? So we are soldiers in the army of God. Make sure that you are practicing. That means that you have to practice how to tell your, uh, your, your story about God's faithfulness and victory in your life, and you have to do so with such finesse. You have to do so with such intentionality that when people hear you, all they hear is God's love and faithfulness, and they want to turn to him. That's why you and I have to practice, all right? So an example I can give you is, like I said, many years ago, God showed himself strong in my life by redeeming our home from the auction block three weeks before foreclosure. Now, you hear a story like that, your ears prick up, and you want to hear a little bit more. Many years ago, our house was on the auction block three weeks from foreclosure, and God did an amazing turnaround. Now, I gave you in one sentence what happened, transpired over the period of, of, of maybe a year, all right? But that is an example of a short version of your testimony. So if you're going to be effective um, as a person who witnesses, because, you know, one of the things that I find um, uh, in, 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 you know, in, in the body of Christ is, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about the things that we should do, but often we don't give people step-by-step uh, -step sort of guides on how to do so effectively based on what the Word of God says and based on our individual experiences, okay? That's what I'm packaging for you here right now. In order to avoid um, going off on tangents, okay? Going off on various tangents, because as people we speak, our minds are working, new memories are coming as we speak. Imagine for a moment that um, if I wasn't intentional and I didn't practice and I didn't really know how to testify effectively, I could sit here now and start giving you nuanced detail of the things that may have happened um, while our house, why our house ended up on the auction block, and I could tell you all kinds of unnecessary detail. I could tell you about how my phone was cut off, how the business was tough, and, and how all kinds of things were going on, and and. Before you know it, you'd be looking at your watch, you'd be feeling bored, you, you, you wanna stop that conversation and take off somewhere else. Now, in order to avoid those kinds of tangents, those are reasons why you practice. So you know your audience and you know how to communicate your, your um, the, the version, the right version of your testimony to them. Now, when you do this, and you do this effectively, even when you do it your first time, you become what I call the automatic evangelist, all right? You don't need to go to, um, to seminary, to ministry school. You don't need a new degree. You don't need anyone to lay hands on you because of what God has already done. I'm not saying any, of the, or, or any and all of those things are wonderful, but I'm saying to you, you don't need them to be effective at the job of witnessing, all right? Now, your pulpit, unlike the, your pastor who spends their time uh, behind a pulpit because this is what they're called to do, this is what they're trained to do, and this is what they do, and they serve you and help you and help so many other people, 
You, as an automatic evangelist who is out there witnessing and telling people about Jesus Christ, your pulpit is wherever you are, anywhere you are in the world, all right? Because you can be testifying and telling people about what God has done in your life, wherever you find yourself. So your pulpit is anywhere you are in the world, any time of day or night. So practice is imperative. Now, this is one thing I'm going to leave you with. Um, practice is imperative. What a lot of people end up doing is they hypothesize or they generalize, all right? I think the reason is, you know, especially, let's say in my case, okay, when I first got saved and I was hooked on pornography and I would go to church and then I'd go watch pornography. Now, who wants to testify like that, okay? I'm wearing my nice jacket here, uh, uh, looking all, 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 all dignified. Who wants people to be looking at me and thinking that I used to be hooked on, on, on pornography? Or who wants anybody to be looking at me and thinking that, yes, in the 12th year of my marriage, I actually left my wife, left my children, went and did a bunch of crazy things, and then it was this, the, the prayer of my wife leading to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ that changed my life. A lot of people don't want people to perceive them in light of the things that they did. But in the light of seeing the things that I did, I am also able to showcase the goodness and the glory and the mercy and the faithfulness of the God that we're testifying about. All right? So please do not generalize. Uh, or tell stories of, well, I knew someone who did this and that when it was actually you. Now, but at the same time, obviously, I'm not saying that if you were hooked on pornography, that you begin to describe the things that you saw. No, God will give you wisdom there, all right? God will give you wisdom. But I'm saying to you, don't generalize. Give God the glory. That's what testifying is all about. I'm going to end here for now. Father Lord, I thank you for your sons and your daughters that are listening to this. At the sound of my voice, I pray, Father, that you give them a fresh revelation of who you are and the things, the many, many things that you have done in their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them. Open up their tongues. I pray boldness over you that you too would go about being a witness for Jesus Christ, bringing glory to his name and pointing people to him. Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and uh, I love you. We'll look, look forward to seeing you in the next one.